There's a measure of concern that could be labeled worry and anxiety that is probably actually good for you. Like, if you have a teenager and they're learning to drive, for the sake of everybody else, please be concerned. <laughs> and I don't mean concerned where you're like, you can't drive until you're 35. No, I mean concerned where you take due diligence to do everything in your power to equip them to drive well, including using a blinker, all right? Perhaps that kind of concern, which could be construed as worry, is good. But when that kind of concern moves to not allowing them to drive, not willing to trust that God will provide, maybe a level of paranoia that you cannot sleep and your heart is racing every time they leave the house for fear that this will be the time they crash and die, then maybe you've crossed beyond responsible concern and into a place where you need God's help. Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay because faith is not about having it all figured out and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before he'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. Good morning. It's a strange time to be alive tell you that. We are in the middle of a national and global health crisis that most people aren't talking about. No, I'm not talking about COVID, though we're still in the midst of this, and it has certainly amplified. No, I I believe today we need to talk about something else, something that nearly 40 million Americans last year alone struggled with or at least were diagnosed with. Something that perhaps 60% or more of us have admitted to struggling with for an extended period of time and not seeking help. Something I myself struggle with from time to time. I used to be a person who was pretty laid back and like nothing really phased me. Do you know anybody like that? Like they just seem to be able to roll with the punches all the time and they're always happy with a smile on their face and they're always filled with this peace and this joy and like you could steal their car and they're like, that's cool, I hope you needed it. (laughs) I I used to be that kind of person and I don't know if this is maturity or sinfulness but I'm no longer that kind of person. You see, I eventually found this woman who was pretty wonderful and I was smitten with her and she said yes before she knew what she was saying yes to and so I got married and then we had kids and then God gave me this responsibility of leading you guys and caring for you and and all that grew on my plate I began to find anxiety grew as well we often want to ignore anxiety and act like it's not a thing We want to act like, well, just pray and it will go away. And I I want to say, before we dive into Philippians today, anxiety is 
both a situation you're in and a mental state of mind. And there is a time when that mental state of mind needs more help. And it's okay to have Jesus and a therapist too. Did you know that? And it's okay when the time comes to also need medicine to help you reset to be in the right frame of mind to then attack and and approach your anxiety from a healthy perspective. It's okay for both of those things. But today as we dive into Philippians, as Paul, he writes about living a different kind of life and being a different kind of people, he talks to us about anxiety and what we should do with our anxiety. Now, I don't know that Paul at this time knew of some of the mental health challenges of anxiety, so I'm going to approach this assuming he's talking to those of us who deal with this from time to time, but aren't stuck in it all the time. And I'm going to speak to both of those people and what we should do today. If you want to follow along, we're in Philippians chapter 4. You're welcome to use a physical Bible and follow along or follow along on your phone. You can find it at thepointknox.com if you don't have a Bible app or you can download a Bible app just as simply. Philippians chapter four. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Now, anytime you see a therefore in scripture, you should look back to what came before it to see what it's there for, right? So what is he saying here? Well, right before this, he says, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. And he talks about how they're awaiting this transformation of their lowly bodies. Our broken bodies will one day be changed to be without sin and without brokenness, without sickness and without death. And while we await this, Paul says, therefore, stand firm. You and I can face whatever challenge comes because we know the ending. We know what lies ahead. And so we press on and sometimes it's hard and sometimes it's really miserable, but we press on because what's coming will be a life without all of this pain and sorrow and anxiety and depression. What's coming will be our bodies transformed. Therefore, my joy and my crown stand firm. See, Paul's encouraging these people he loves Whatever may come, hold your ground. Don't give up. It'll be okay. Then he continues, and there's kind of a a brief aside where he mentions something, but it's not the main point. And and here it is. He says in verse 2, I entreat Eudea and I entreat Syntyche, terrible at pronouncing Greek, uh, to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. See, there's an issue in Philippi. We don't know the details, but these two women were apparently fighting. Have you ever met two people who fight? Both men or women? We both do it. It's not just you or me. And they were not in agreement on some issue. And Paul says, look, just remind them that we're in this together. Like, remember, they've labored with me. Together, we are on the same journey. 
So, you know, I encourage you to come together and help these women in their disagreement. And I think it's worth noting briefly before we get to anxiety that for Paul, when people are facing a disagreement and there's division, the best solution is for somebody else to help them. When you and I are fighting or divided, sometimes we need a third party to step in and say, let me help you. It'll be okay. Let me show you how you're on the same team. Both your names are written in the book of life. Like you are brothers and sisters. Come on. Let me show you what you're missing out on in this fighting. And while I think these couple of verses are kind of an aside, I think they're also really relevant to what happens next. See, next he begins to discuss anxiety and how not to be anxious. And I believe wholeheartedly that in the same way we don't resolve fights without mediators sometimes, sometimes our anxiety doesn't diminish without somebody else there to help us. Paul, he picks up in verse four a theme he's repeated multiple times. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Paul, he's writing to them. He says, look, rejoice in God. Don't you know who he is and what he's done? Rejoice in him always. He's so good. And he ends this little line with, the Lord is at hand. See, for Paul and the rest of the apostles in the early church, the idea of the Lord at hand was not just some vague comfort. Oh, I know God's with me. It'll be okay. It was so much more. You see, the Lord being at hand for them was an understanding that God was coming soon. That any moment now, he would be back. And all of this pain and suffering and misery would be gone. So because of that, rejoice in the Lord. He's coming any moment. And all your sorrows will be wiped away. It'll be okay. Rejoice in the Lord. The Lord is at hand. And then Paul continues in verse 6. And he says this, do not be anxious about anything. I wish it was just that simple, right? Like, I wish if you're battling anxiety, you're struggling to fall asleep because your mind is thinking about all those things you didn't do or the ways you misspoke and people might not like you now or you're thinking about all the problems you're facing and all the struggle and your heart's racing and you're dealing with that anxiety. I wish my wife could just say, well, stop it. And then it would go away. Just stop it. And then you won't face this problem anymore. When it comes to anxiety, oftentimes that's what the church says. Well, just don't be anxious. Trust in Jesus. Well, just don't be anxious. Believe he's good. Just just stop it. And you know what happens with that? Nothing good. And you know why? If you could just stop it on your own, you would have already. I don't know a single person who enjoys being anxious. Like, this is so much fun. I can't wait to not sleep tonight and then have bad dreams when I do. <laughs> Paul, he says, do not be anxious about anything. And then he gives the answer. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
See, Paul, he's, he's addressing here, look, anxiety is a real thing. You and I are prone to anxiety or to worry. A few weeks back, we were having a conversation before church and we're going through scripture because when we gather as volunteers, before we start doing anything to serve, we take time to connect with Jesus. And in scripture, it talked about worry a little bit. And so we're talking, what is the difference between maybe worry and anxiety and concern? And somebody put it this way and I thought it was really, really helpful. Anxiety is not trusting in God's faithfulness or his power to provide. Worry is not really knowing what to do next. And I think those are good, helpful distinctions. And the reason I think they're distinctions that are helpful is this. There's a measure of concern that could be labeled worry and anxiety that is probably actually good for you. Like if you have a teenager and they're learning to drive, for the sake of everybody else, please be concerned. And I don't mean concerned where you're like, you can't drive until you're 35. No, I mean concerned where you take due diligence to do everything in your power to equip them to drive well, including using a blinker, all right? (laughs) Perhaps that kind of concern, which could be construed as worry, is good. But when that kind of concern moves to not allowing them to drive not willing to trust that God will provide, maybe a level of paranoia that you cannot sleep and your heart is racing every time they leave the house for fear that this will be the time they crash and die, then maybe you've crossed beyond responsible concern and into a place where you need God's help. You need him to intervene to change your heart. You see, when we're anxious, In large part, it's because in some measure, we don't believe God to be true, God to be for us. We'll come back to this verse in Philippians, but flip with me if you'd like, back to Matthew chapter six. Jesus is speaking in his first sermon and he's talking about life with God and what it looks like to live as God's. And he says, do not be anxious about anything. And he gives this picture. He says, look, don't you know the birds? Like, watch the birds for just a moment. Anybody a bird watcher in here? My wife makes fun of me because the older I get, the more I watch birds. And she loves to laugh at me for that. Like, our backyard has all kinds of hawks and blue jays and cardinals. And every now and then I'm like, ooh, look at all the birds. But she's seen the movie, The Birds, and she's like, I don't want to see birds. That's terrifying. (laughs) Jesus, he says, look at all these birds. Do they worry about where they're going to find food? No, God takes care of them. And then he says, look at all the flowers of the field and how beautiful they are. Look at how wonderful this creation is. Do they worry about how they're going to be dressed and clothed? No, God clothes them. And then Jesus, he says, look, for you, you don't need to be worried about these things either. And he goes on to say this. For the Gentiles seek after these things And your heavenly father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. 
See, when we worry about God not providing, when we're anxious that a situation cannot or will not turn out in a positive light, when we allow ourselves to be overcome with this sense of doom, I can't do this ever. We forget the one who can, the God who speaks and mountains are made and the hillsides are covered in flowers, the God who speaks and a million birds are fed, though they do nothing to earn it. Jesus says, look, you don't need to worry because your father knows everything you need. He knows your concern for your child who's maybe wandering away from faith. He knows what that child needs. He knows your concern when your job is possibly in jeopardy and you're just not quite sure. He knows your concern and your need in that time. When a pandemic hits the world and people are dying, he knows what you need. See, when we focus on our problems, the reality is our problems only become bigger because the thing you give your attention to will be the thing you fall more in love with, whether you want to or not. And so we focus on the fact that we don't know if we will have food for tomorrow or clothing on our back, or who will be our president, or what laws might be passed. We focus our energy on our sickness and our pain and all of these problems. And you know what that does? Creates more pain and sickness inside of us. I think something like 25 or 24% of Americans admitted to being unable to do their job due to anxiety in the last year unable to perform basic tasks on a regular basis due to worry consuming them. We can learn to not be anxious because we have a good father who loves us, a good father who will care for us, a good father who knows long before you and I ever know just what we need. So flip back to Philippians with me. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. This morning my son woke up and he came downstairs as I'm sitting at the table and I'm getting myself ready this morning and I'm praying. And he said, what are you reading? So I read this to him. He says, dad, what's supplication? Good question. Let me use the dictionary. We, we looked it up. It's, it's a humble prayer. A humble request. Paul, he says, but in everything, by prayer and humility, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. When you find yourself anxious about anything, let your request be known to God. With humility, God, I am broken and I can't fix this mess. This pain that I'm in, I can't handle. I don't know what to do next. See, part of why I think many of us live in anxiety is the only way to overcome anxiety is to recognize that you are not in control. And most of us don't want to do that. You cannot fix anything that may come your way. The news from the doctor, you can't change that. 
Whether or not your kid crashes or doesn't, you can't control that because you could be driving just the same with all your experience and expertise and it could still happen just the same. See, but when we come before God with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, we're able to begin to reshift our focus. God, I can't do this. This life you've called me to is really hard. And this world I'm living in is really broken. And I have no idea what to do next. But you do. So I'm here seeking you and asking you to help. I go through these seasons where my anxiety rises for reasons I don't know. Sometimes it's stress and sometimes it's life and sometimes it just happens. And in these seasons, what normally happens is I fall asleep really easily. And then about 3 a.m., I wake up wide awake, exhausted, my heart racing and my mind a thousand miles a minute and I can't go back to sleep. And I lay there in bed and I think to myself, Surely I'm almost going to fall asleep. Like, I'm so tired, I'm just about there, right? You ever been there? And then it's like 3.30, and I'm like, okay, now I'm really, I should get up and I should be productive, but I'm almost asleep. Then it's 4, 4.30, 5, 5.30. You're like, I know my alarm's going off at 6.30, God. I'm tired because I was irresponsible. I went to bed at like 11, When these times happen, what I have found almost always works is to get up and to pray. And some of the sweetest times I've had with God, the most uh, tearful and painful and emotional, some of the most meaningful moments I've had with God have been at three in the morning when I'm overwhelmed with anxiety and I'm tired. So I think when we turn our attention away from our problems and just say, God, I can't do this. In those moments, we're able to be completely honest with ourselves, completely honest with God, completely vulnerable with our needs, and to come with humility and say, God, I can't. But you can. And I'm desperately in need of you today to help. And then he says, do this with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. See, it's really easy when anxiety overwhelms us to see all of the things that are going wrong or that could go wrong. Do you know most of what you worry about will never happen? Just statistically, it can't happen because you worry about so many things if you're struggling with this, you can't see them all come to pass. So instead of focusing on all the things you are afraid of and worried about, Paul encourages, as you come before God with prayer and you let your request known, be filled with thanksgiving. God, I can't control whether or not my kids crash the car, but I can be thankful for insurance and airbags and EMTs and I can be thankful for firefighters and I can be thankful for doctors and I can be thankful for roads that aren't as bad as some places that they could be driving and I can be thankful for a whole host of other things. And when we shift our focus to the things God has done, it's much easier to begin to see the things he will do. Paul says, come, instead of being anxious in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
But then he says this in verse seven. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In those times of anxiety when I'm overwhelmed, I promise you, for me, the one thing I want more than anything else is peace. Normally, because with that peace comes sleep, and that's what I'm really craving. But peace gives you this sense that it will be okay, even if it's not right now. Peace gives you the strength to go forward into what's next, even if it's unknown. It says, the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. The best part of this, the peace that surpasses all understanding. I don't understand God's peace in troubled times. I don't get how he gives it and how sometimes I'm unable to find it. And this is where I'm gonna briefly circle back to the beginning. If you find yourself waking up and praying and seeking God and searching him for this peace and you're still unable to move forward and you're stuck, Maybe that's when you should find a counselor. Somebody who can walk with you and help you experience what's keeping you from that peace. Maybe that's when you should go to a doctor and say, I've been doing all of these things I know how to do and now I need additional help. Somebody who can be here with me to figure out what's next. Real practically, there's a lot of things we can do from a worldly side to overcome anxiety. Maybe you could eat a little healthier or you could go to bed a little earlier or you could watch a little less TV because I find TV fills my mind with all kinds of anxiety. Not just watching the news, like you watch TV shows and my heart is racing for what's coming next. In the next episode, a week from now, what's gonna be there? You can do all kinds of things to change your physical reality. But if you want to change your soul, it's only through prayer and thanksgiving and maybe with the help of another. We're going to end with one last verse. This verse is from 1 Peter. And he challenges the people to cast all their anxieties upon God. Here, here's what he says. In 1 Peter, he says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. If you're among the 40 million Americans who struggle with anxiety on a regular basis, or the 60% of us who admit to really being overwhelmed with this from time to time, here's the encouragement from God's word. You have a father who cares about you deeply. You have a God who loves you, all of you, including every single broken and anxious part of you. And he invites us to humble ourselves and cast all of our anxieties upon him. It won't necessarily go away overnight. It won't necessarily disappear anytime soon. But when you draw near to God with all your anxiety and all your pain and all your struggle, he will give you his peace. This is promised. There's a ending in, I said there one more verse, but I lied, I'm sorry. There's a blessing that Paul gives in another book, the book of 1 Thessalonians. 
And this is the blessing at the very end that he leaves the people with. And today as we look at this need to not be anxious, but instead draw near to God with prayer and thanksgiving, I feel like this is how we should end today as well. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Amen. As we continue our worship now, we're going to continue by collecting an offering. We collect an offering in this space not to get God's love, but because he's promised we already have it. And we believe that one of the things that for many of us causes anxiety is money. Money struggles are the biggest reason for divorce in America. So when we begin to practice things with our money, to say, God, I want to be thankful and trust you with this, we believe in that he will give us peace for whatever we do or do not have. And so as we collect an offering, if you came prepared today to give and you would like to partner with the work that we're doing, you can do so at thepointknox.com or you can do so in these popcorn buckets if you prefer cash and check. Remember, however you give and whatever you give, it's not to get God's love, but because we already have it. And now we get to uh, do one of my favorite parts of the morning where you guys ask questions and I do my best to respond. And if I can't respond, I'll respond later in the week. Yes. Okay. These questions are kind of all over the place today. Cool. Buckle in. Uh-oh. Uh, first one's pretty simple. Is the bread on the table real or a prop? Yes. <laughs> it is real. I would not try to eat it because I have not bought it fresh in a few months, so it's kind of hard. But it is real bread. It's, it's fossilized at this yeah. point. Yeah. But next week's communion will not be that bread, but actual bread you can eat. <laughs> Um, next question. Collectively, how hard do we have to pray to make the beard come back? <laughs> My four-year-old asks me that every day. Uh, she's eager for me to have my beard back, and uh, we'll see. <laughs> harder, apparently, yeah. Um, yeah pray, pray harder. Uh, okay, next question. Just only two left. Why do you say, I think this was at the beginning, why do you say that you can be a different type of people when you can only be one person? We collectively can be a different type of people. You individually cannot be multiple people. That's a different issue you should also find help for. Um, <laughs> and that help exists. It's good. It's out there. Um, but you individually can only be one person and become a new kind of person, the kind God made you to be from the beginning. Beautiful. All right, last question. We've like, we've like ran on through these. Um, the Apocrypha, I told oh. you these were all over the place. Whew. The Apocrypha isn't accepted as part of the Bible with the exception of a few denominations. So how historically accurate is the Apocrypha and is there any value or truth to be found in it? Whoa, all right. Thank you. <laughs> That's the right answer. If you don't know what the Apocrypha is, there are some Bibles that actually have a few more books than the rest of the Bibles. And those extra books are called the Apocrypha. Uh, speaking of denominations that, that use it, the Catholic Church would be one of them. The Roman Catholic Church believes the Apocrypha is helpful. 
Now, why do they not make it into the rest of the Bible, and why are they still there? That's a great question. Uh, they didn't make it into the rest of the Bible for a few reasons. When the early church was canonizing or making official the Bible and saying, this is what scripture is, they had a handful of criteria, such as like, who wrote it, right? Because something written by somebody with authority or somebody who was like there with Jesus would be of more importance than something written by Joe Schmo out in the middle of nowhere, right? Sorry, Joe Schmo, like, you're important too. Uh, and so one of the criteria is who wrote it. Another criteria was how often was it used? Because if people weren't using it, they said it probably wasn't important. Um, how did it fit with the rest of what we know to be true, like eyewitness accounts? Um, so there are lots of different criteria they used, I think five altogether. And they went through and said, is this God's word or just something helpful to shape and teach the church? The Apocrypha are books that were ultimately decided are helpful, but can't conclusively be said these are God's word. So how historically accurate are they? Well, depends on who you ask um, and which books. Um, I don't know. I think they're certainly a helpful tool, but should not be held on the same level as scripture itself. Because the early church said, hey, these are good, but not the same thing. So if you would like to know more about the Apocrypha, um, that's about the extent of my knowledge, but I can gladly do some research and try to come up with more to help you. Okay, yeah, <laughs> deal. Uh, there's some cool stuff in the Apocrypha, like I'm pretty sure some dragons are there, and yeah, I don't know, it's, it's not all that bad. Um, but I would just stick to what we know in Scripture if you're unsure, and that can be a fun study to dive into later in addition to that. Was that the last question? That was the last question. That wasn't as tough as I was expecting. So thank you guys. As always, every single week, you can text in your questions either on Sunday morning or during the week. And we will do our best to respond at some point, either Wednesday evening or next week, Sunday. Uh, that number is available at thepointknox.com. Now, as you go, receive this blessing. And like we did last week, we're going to speak this blessing, and then we in turn are going to sing this blessing, because I think there's power when we as God's people raise our voices together. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.